I'm John Moe. This week on Wits, actor George Takei is best known for playing Sulu on Star Trek. He tells us about the time his phaser was set to resentment. I recognized all of the lines that Chekhov was chuttering. I hated it. <laughs> Plus eclectic hip-hop from Serengeti. Hot dogs for lunch, hot dogs for dinner. Don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. And this mind-bender with our wits friend, Open Mike Eagle. I couldn't bear to live with another me, could mm. you? It's the kind of thing, it's like that Seinfeld episode. Oh, he, he meets the girl, Jerry. Right, yes. and, and, he, and on paper, you think it's perfect. What if you knew that that person had all the same anxieties and secrets that you do. How could you even talk to them? <laughs> How could you believe anything they said <laughs> if they did talk to you? All on Wits, coming right up. From APM, American Public Media, this is Wits. I'm John Moe, coming to you this week from the beautiful Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. It's a wonderful building. Be sure to stop in to see it if you're in town. It overlooks the Mississippi River and a waterfall. There's a waterfall right in downtown Minneapolis. Did you know that? Got a great show for you this week featuring the actor George Takei, Sulu from Star Trek, and so much more. Musical guest is the eclectic Chicago rapper Serengeti. Unique sound, raps about hot dogs at one point, you'll hear that. We've also got a special preview of a new project we're working on coming up later in the show, so stay tuned. Besides being an actor, George Takei is an activist. He has campaigned extensively for legalization of same-sex marriage in his home state of California and around the country. It's a deeply personal issue for him. George and his husband Brad have been together for 28 years, but they've only been out for the last 10 I asked George how much of a secret his relationship with Brad was prior to coming out. Some people knew. Uh, certainly, you know, I worked with uh, my Star Trek colleagues uh, regularly, consistently for quite a few years. Only three years on TV, but many uh, feature films. And uh, at the end of the week on Friday night, we always had what we call rap parties, where uh, the beers rolled out and the pizzas brought in, and we uh, relax with each other for a couple of hours. Meaning the production has wrapped. The, you're not for doing, the week. You're not doing rap at the party. <laughs> <laughs> I guess nowadays they might. And maybe they do. <laughs> maybe they do. And, um, you know, they bring their wives or their husbands or their uh, boyfriends or their girlfriends to uh, the rap party. And uh, more often than not, I brought a buddy. And when uh, the same buddy appears a couple of uh, Friday nights, you know, they're sophisticated people. They say, hmm, George. Oh, I get it. Mm." (laughs) Hmm. So they knew. Yeah. And in fact, what gave me the clue that they knew was one of the rituals is of uh, the daily rituals is uh, we go to go into makeup, you know, stagger in, uh, wiping the sleep out of our eyes. And then once we get made up, before we go to our dressing rooms to put our costume on, we uh, go to the uh, coffee urn and we sip coffee. And one morning I was there with Walter Koenig, who played Chekhov, sipping coffee. And all of a sudden he starts making this head gesture, silently urging me to look behind me. And so I turned around to look and there was this extra, drop dead gorgeous guy. (laughs) 
wearing that tight Starfleet uniform. <laughs> and my heart stopped. <laughs> Was that the birth of the phrase, oh my? <laughs> I didn't quite give voice to it, <laughs> okay. but in my mind, I was thinking, oh my. <laughs> well, and then I turned around uh, back to Walter, and he smiled and went, gave me a <laughs> wink, and I knew he knew. <laughs> right, right. Um, when did you become politically involved in the same-sex marriage movement? I didn't for the longest time, because I was pursuing an, an acting career. And I knew it would be suicide to be out and still expect to get cast. And uh, so I was, I was out there, you know, doing my social advo advocacy work. Yeah, you're politically involved. Politically and also uh, the uh, civil rights movement, mm -hmm. the uh, peace movement during the Vietnam War. And in the 70s, we began a movement to get an apology and, and a redress payment for the unconstitutional incarceration of Japanese Americans. So I've been uh, active in the political and social justice advocacy, but I was silent through it all on the one issue that was closest to me because I wanted to protect my career. But after Stonewall happened, uh, a Stonewall in the, the riots that uh, began the uh, gay liberation movement, it started making a lot of impact on society. And in 2004, uh, Massachusetts Supreme Court ruled that uh, marriage equality was constitutional in the state of Massachusetts. They got marriage equality. The year after that, in 2005, in California, the legislature, both houses, the Assembly and the Senate, passed the marriage equality bill and all that was needed for that bill to become the law of the state was the signature of our governor, who happened to be a movie star, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> when he campaigned for the governorship, he campaigned by saying, I'm from Hollywood, I've worked with gays and lesbians, some of my favorite people are gays and lesbians. You know. So persuaded by that, some gay friends that I have uh, did vote for him. But when that bill came on his desk, the marriage equality bill, he played to the right-wing conservative Republican base that he comes from, and he vetoed it. And my blood was boiling. I was raging. But that night, Brad and I were at home watching the late-night news, and we saw all these young people pouring out onto Santa Monica Boulevard, venting their rage on Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so we had a talk, and this is 2005. So you're still not out at this point? I was still closeted, protecting my career. But it was a very deep discussion that Brad and I had, and we decided we've got to speak out on this. We're so close, and we could make a difference. We've got to be actively involved. And so I spoke to the press for the first time as a gay man, and I blasted Arnold Schwarzenegger's veto. How, 
how did that feel after so many years of, of hiding this thing to, to come out like that in such a public way? It was liberating. Uh, and the interesting thing that we discovered was that uh, some of our peop- uh, friends that we uh, thought we knew as being rather reserved and maybe conservative uh, were equally uh, liberated because then they could start say, uh, saying uh, to their friends, if they were introducing them to me, uh, this is George Takei and this is Brad, his, his husband. We got married 2008 mm. when uh, our our Supreme Court, again, ruled for marriage equality. And so it was wonderful uh, coming out. And uh, the reception was very, very good. And I started getting more ca- casted in uh, more guest shots mm. than I had been before. <laughs> and interestingly, I was being cast as gay George Takei. <laughs> George Takei, everybody. Our musical guest this week is a hip-hop musician out of Chicago, Illinois, who has released a whole lot of albums, spanning a huge variety of musical styles. So excited to have him on the show. Please welcome Serengeti. This is great. Uh, This is Mike Lewis. And uh, this is Andrew Broder. I'm just trying to do some rap songs and be down with my brothers. Hey, maybe a few others too. We can get a pay per view. We can watch boxing all the time or we'll join the ground crew. Or the crew that changes ice to the warm courts. Big athletes take off skates and put on mesh shorts. That sounds like a damn you watch a flick on organized crime. I like the Western snipes and bring rays for the prison time belt. Walk a soda line, pass it to a friend of mine. We'll remake Cassatory season with a sprig of time. Hot dogs for lunch. Hot dogs for dinner, don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no! Hot dogs for lunch, hot dogs for dinner, don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no! Don't be gross, I find long hairs in the bread The only people that were there were Tommy and Craig Yo, I'm a DJ now, set list in my head After sooner or later, I'm going to club that then Walk around downtown, hit up the sky gym Better bag of the fruit, double bag of fruit, fruit Gotta listen, listen like magician When you took them, then paid trick them Tell me what's your dream job, tell me what's your dream job Tell me what's your dream job, tell me what's your dream job Hot dog for lunch, hot dog for dinner. Don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. Hot dog for lunch, hot dog for dinner. Don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. Hot dog for lunch, hot dog for dinner. Don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. No. 
That's Serengeti with Andrew Broder and Mike Lewis. The voice Serengeti was rapping in just there was not quite his. A lot of Serengeti's music is performed as a character named Kenny Dennis, who's kind of an optimistic, working-class Chicago guy. Serengeti has released entire albums as Kenny Dennis. You can go back to episode 82 of Wits, our first hour of radio from the Decay Serengeti stage show, and you can hear him talking about sharing his creative soul with Kenny. More with Serengeti and George Takei in just a moment. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. A reminder, a little later in this hour, we have a special preview of a brand new and very fun project we've been working on. First, more from the rapper Serengeti and from actor George Takei. George has a resume that's a mile long, so many roles dating back to the 1950s. Makes you wonder what kind of offers he likes to say yes to. Well, I love voice acting because I grew up during the uh, age of radio. Oh, when we came out of the internment camps, my father got a radio. It was a magical instrument. And it's really amazing what worlds that sounds created. You know, the Cisco Kid, or Lone Ranger, or Gangbusters, or even, even uh, when I was even younger, uh, Happy Theater. Uh, this was all sounds, sounds effect, coconut uh, shells being clopped uh, for uh, horses galloping. Voice and sound can create a whole world. And I think it's uh, really a wonderful medium for science fiction. But alas, that uh, kind of acting has uh, faded. It's, uh, you need the visual now. So the other kind of, of uh, voice acting is uh, animated cartoons. So you might recognize my voice on Saturday morning cartoons. I do a lot of that. They're a lot of fun. I, I have a special place in my heart uh, for Ricardio, the heart guy on Adventure <laughs> Time. Um, well, George, I love having you on the show. I love having your voice on the show because it is a magical thing. <laughs> but I got to wondering, how magical is it exactly? I'm wondering, are you a wizard with magical sorcery powers? Or are you just some guy? Can you make anything sound great or just great things? So I'm going to try you out on some reading here. And... Uh, we're just going to see how much magic you can bring to things. Let's start easy with a selection from William Shakespeare. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> That's nice. 
of course, it is Shakespeare. It's kind of hard to screw up. Um, surely there must be some text that, uh, that would not sound beautiful, even coming from you, George. Here is a menu item from a restaurant, and I would like to have you give that a try. Taco Bell, beefy Fritos burrito, seasoned beef, Frito chips, and premium Latin rice, wrapped in a flour tortilla and filled with warm nacho cheese sauce. <laughs> You're good. You're good, George Takei. You've beautified Shakespeare and Taco Bell. But now I'm pulling out the big guns, George. Binary code. Binary code. One. One zero zero one. Zero one zero one zero zero. One. One zero. Zero one. <laughs> George Takei, everybody. That was beautiful. And now the Wits Game Show. George, you were part of a TV and movie franchise that helped define science fiction. This makes you an expert in that category. No, Sa it does not. <laughs> <laughs> At least more of an expert than Serengeti, who you will be competing against in this game. Oh, good. In this game, we will give you the title of a science fiction film. It will be up to you to decide if this movie is real or not. I mean, none of it's real because it's fiction, but whether it's real in the sense that they made a movie out of... Never mind. Are you ready? It doesn't matter. Here we go. I am. George, you'll go first. Mysterious Dr. Satan. 1940, a disguised Satan gets his doctorate in Elizabethan poetry. I think it's fake. That is a real movie. Oh, really? Mysterious Dr. Satan. No wonder I don't know it. It sounds lousy. <laughs> Serengeti, the Astro Zombies. What year? 1968. Oh. Would you like a synopsis? Yes. The titular characters, the Astro Zombies, are neither from space nor zombies. They're created by a mad scientist and much to his chagrin. Oh, that's real. That, yeah, I got that one. That is a real movie. <laughs> the Astro Zombies. George Takei, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I think that's real. Yeah, I wanted to help you out. George Takei, get the point on that? You're taking pity on me. No, no. <laughs> about a game this is, John Moe. I see what it is. You see what's going on? Yeah. Serengeti, Attack of the Puppet People. 1958, Mr. Franz, a puppeteer, turns everyone who abandons him into puppets. The lesson of this movie, don't abandon Mr. Franz. Yeah. False. That's a real film. Hmm. 1958, Attack of the Puppet People. George Takei, Bats, colon, Human Harvest. 2007, huge bats that eat people and terrorism is involved somehow. I think that's, that's false. A real film. Really? Yes. They're making so many lousy movies. <laughs> Serengeti. Yes. Ice spiders. Ooh. 2007. Yes. 
Giant spiders go on a rampage at a ski resort for spider reasons. Yeah. Uh, I know it's, it, it was one of uh, Jean-Claude's recent ones. It's a, true, it, uh, it's a true one. I saw this one. I don't think he was in it, but it was a real movie, yeah. so I'll give you a point. <laughs> I, saw that. I thought he was in it, yeah. All right. Um, George Takei. Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. 1966 synopsis. Jesse James meets Frankenstein. <laughs> I think that's false. A real film from 1966. <laughs> I don't belong in that genre. <laughs> Serengeti, Laser Pigs. 2003, a crazy farmer scientist decides it's a good idea to replace his pig's regular snouts with laser snouts. <laughs> that's, a, that's false. That's fake. That is false. You are correct. <laughs> He's got the eye, folks. He has the eye. George Takei, Wasp Boy, 1971. A Secret Service agent discovers that the president's son is a wasp, stars Burt Reynolds and a young Henry Winkler. <laughs> You're making it very easy for me. That sounds so improbable. It's got to be phony. It is phony, correct. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were going to say it sounds so improbable. I was just holding on. All right. Uh, one more here for, for Serengeti, for David Cohn. Uh, what's the score on this one? Uh, at the moment, it's two, two to two. 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 Okay. We're tied. Yeah. So it can be a tie or you can win it all okay. based on this question. Right. Oh, I don't get a... Chance to You've already had your chance to George. Myself. <laughs> All right. Frankenstein conquers the world. 1965. Turns out Frankenstein's monster heart was immortal because he ate a lot of protein and the Nazis preserved it, and somehow a child becomes the monster <laughs> then. Yeah. Yeah, it's false. I don't, I don't mind it. A real film. It's a tie. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't mind a tie. <laughs> David Cohn and George Takei, everybody. A tie. A tie. Everybody goes home happy with a tie. George Takei has had a rich and varied career and a super, super busy one. His IMDb page is miles long. Some parts of it, I feel, require a little bit of explanation. That is why we are going to use the miracle of audio tape to bring you a round of George Takei, please explain. <laughs> Colonel Mike Kirby, the pro. Beckworth, the doubter. Sergeant Muldoon, the bull. Doc McGee, the dependable. Captain Nim, the hater. Uh -huh. Sergeant Peterson, the con man. And what movie is that from? That's Green Berets with John Wayne. <laughs> now, you, you, were, you did this movie right around the time Star Trek was starting up, right? No, it was during the uh, hiatus after the first season. Oh, okay. And um, uh, it was, uh, I think the contract was for about two months. And uh, I talked to Gene Rodmerry, and he said, oh, that, that's great. It fits uh, right into our our hiatus period, and he gave me some scripts for the second season, which had wonderful things for Sulu to do. And so I took them with me, and I had the lines memorized. However, when we were in, the, and we filmed that in uh, Georgia at Fort Benning, thank God, we didn't go to the actual location, Vietnam. 
not a good place to film. But they recreated the uh, Vietnam uh, villages uh, amazingly. And so we were filming there. But in the middle of uh, our shoot, it started raining. And so we quit waiting for the uh, rain to stop. But the prediction was for it to continue on and on. So they rewrote the situation for a rain uh, uh, sequence. And we started slogging away in the mud, you know, uh, drenched in, uh, uh, in, in the rain uh, there. But then three days later, it stopped raining and golden sunshine. <laughs> but the scene was not finished and it start, it, it's in the rain. So for another couple of weeks, we had to get doused down. The set had to be muddied up and, and, and it uh, slowed down everything. And we were way beyond schedule. And I missed out on the beginning of the second season's shoot. So I wasn't in Trouble with Tribbles or uh, uh, all those wonderful episodes that, at the beginning of the second where, season. Where could Sulu have gone? Like, <laughs> he's not visiting his mom somewhere. I I'll tell you what they did. <laughs> I recognized all of the lines that Chekhov was uttering. <laughs> Chekhov was not with us the first season. He was brought in to take over Sulu's lines. But I told them I'm coming back. <laughs> but before I even met the actor, Walter Koenig, I hated him. <laughs> let's, uh, let's listen to a, something from a situation comedy. Mr. Douglas? Yes. Permit me to introduce myself. I'm Wan Sun, Mr. Atherton's secretary. How do you do, Mr. Wan? These are my boys, Journey, Chip, Robbie. Uh, and, how do you do? Uh, uh, my three sons. My three sons. Yes. <laughs> I recognize Robbie. <laughs> Bobby, there it is. Um, tell me what you remember about working on that. Uh, Fred McMurray was a father, and uh, he was very engaging. Um, the, the actor that played Robbie, I can't remember his name now. Anybody here remember? <laughs> Don Brady, Brady. yes. Uh, he was a, a real nice guy yeah. and very friendly. I enjoyed chatting with him. But, you know, it was a guest, a guest shot on a half an hour show. And so I, I was there only three days, I yeah. think. So you don't really get to know them. Was it, how frustrating was it when you ran into a situation where you're playing a character that's more defined by being Asian than by being a, a fully fleshed out human being. Yeah, that's the thing. Back in those days, um, we were cast in specifically Asian roles, and more often than not, they, they were uh, old country uh, Asians. So I played uh, not only Japanese, but Chinese, Korean, uh, South Vietnamese, uh, and each with their distinctive accents. Uh, and I tried to bring as much reality as possible. But, you know, the thing that I was campaigning for at that time was, you know, we live in a diverse society in this country. Uh, if you go to any hospital in big cities like Los Angeles or Chicago or New York, you see Asians amongst them uh, as patients or as nurses or as doctors or uh, a uh, academic uh, situation, a uh, university campus or... Uh, a jail, you know, we are lawbreakers too, as well as, <laughs> and so I was always campaigning to, campaigning to play a role where, yes, we are Asians, we look it, but uh, 
playing a, a role as part of America's diversity. And finally, at last, now in recent times, we're getting that. Uh, Sandra Oh in uh, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, uh, my uh, new uh, Sulu, John Cho, mm -hmm. had a leading role in uh, a series that got, got canceled in one season. What was that called? Selfie, selfie. Or Stephen Yun in The Walking Dead. Exactly, exactly. So it's, we're starting to reach that point now. What we're campaigning for now is to develop actors, uh, which uh, uh, embraces uh, women as well. Women like to be called actors as well. It took me a while to learn that. <laughs> because I used to use the term actress but I uh, was really lit into by a good actress friend, <laughs> a female actor <laughs> friend. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, let's leave Earth for a little while and go into space, but not for the kind of thing you're expecting. There is no evidence of any weapons or Republic contraband, General. In the future, we may conduct more periodic searches like this one in order to maintain security. Because we are such an obvious threat to you, we will offer no resistance. Your species is smarter than you appear. Uh, this is from Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Oh, <laughs> I was absolutely baffled by that one. <laughs> but... George Takei, veteran of Star Trek, appearing in a Star Wars show? Please explain. Absolutely. I don't believe in segregation or discrimination of any kind. I've embraced the whole. <laughs> George Takei, everybody. Once again, Serengeti. Swore he wasn't knocked out, even with his lights out. And UFC 4, armbarred by Gore. Said he never tapped, the pain was too much to endure. Disappointed, never get into the octagon. Lived a quiet life in the Southwest with his stepmom. to get back in shape give it another shot under hooks and learn the dirty box but while training he popped his mcl said he's told to put his body through this much hell but in ufc3 choked the man with his gi if he just would have held on or avoided the knee hey what ifs not everyone can win championships with that known is it better tonight even attempt yep yep 
FC Tin, he fell in love with the Ren. He built little cages that they can go out and in. Around then, he stopped going to the gym. Said he had other priorities he'd like to get in. Instead of training, something a little more simple. Years he watched the flying beast out by his window. So pretty, the way they dance by the mint bushes. A far cry from double eggs when he pulled you pushes around. UFC 36 was the death of the Ren Mitch. Felt so sad, he buried him by his dad. Confused, the things he loved in life were gone. Still in the Southwest, just him and his stepmom. Around UFC 38, he tried to get back in shape. Was tired of Arizona and wanted to get his own place. The year's off. Finally caught up with him. If he just would have stayed focused, he might have notched the win. Maybe he could have opened his own gym. Around UFC 79, he fell in love with red wine. As local bar idols, he watched fights all the time. Wall of Fame, a flame folded from when he used to train. Decided to stay with his stepmom and help her do minor back pain. Find night at idols. The place is packed with hot shots. One of these and tough guys want to see what the vets got. Hey, wash out. You still think you weren't knocked out? You reply, you don't know anything what the octagon's about. Oh, yeah, old man, let's step outside. After from her lows to the challenge, he obliged. He walked out first and was attacked from the back. Rear naked choke sunk deep and knocked off his hat. Flashback. To the UFC 3, where we just would have held on to a technique with the gi. Nightmares about where his life be. Reversed his time and knocked the punk out with his knee. And winner. Mikeo. Hailing from Battle Creek, Michigan. Residing in Scottsdale, Arizona, Gary the Whip Bush. Gary the Whip Bush. So give it up for the Whip. So give it up for the Whip. Give it up for the whip! Serengeti with Andrew Broder and Mike Lewis. Coming up, we have a preview of a brand new podcast. It's very exciting. This is Wits. I'm John Moe.
This is Wits. I'm John Moe. You know, one thing we love doing here on Wits is helping you discover new things that will delight you. New music, comedy, ideas. We love opening your eyes and your ears to those things. And it's in that spirit that we're launching a new project this week through Infinite Guest, the podcast network we're a part of. It's where you can hear really fascinating programs like You Must Remember This, A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment, The Frame. And our brand new project is all about the TV series Adventure Time. It's called Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast. Adventure Time is the story of a boy named Finn and a dog named Jake. You know what time it is, buddy? Adventure Time! Yeah, man! their brothers. There's Princess Bubblegum, who is a scientist and a benevolent fascist. MPB! I spy on everybody. No big D. An ice king who just wants to be loved. I collect princesses because I want to marry one. A vampire queen who eats the color red and plays bass guitar. Daddy, why did you eat my fries? I bought them and they were mine. They all exist in a sort of post-apocalyptic universe called the Land of Ooh. Adventure Time is a cartoon. It's on Cartoon Network. Kids love it, but adults love it too. Academics even love it. And it's my favorite TV show ever. I'm obsessed. And I'm not the only one. The New Yorker calls Adventure Time one of the most philosophically risky and often emotionally affecting shows on TV. Rolling Stone says it's one of the biggest cult hits on television. To date, it's had over 97 million viewers. And there are lots of people you know from Wits who appear on it. Maria Bamford, Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Schaal, lots and lots of Wits guests. In fact, this week's guest, George Takei, plays a heart that comes to life on Adventure Time. Oh my gosh, baby, you gotta check out this super cute guy. You're gonna love him. Uh... This is... Uh, oh my gosh, I don't even know your name. Ricardio. Ricardio at your service. I've been waiting all evening to meet you, princess. Conversation Parade is an exploration of Adventure Time. We're going to open up the world of the show, let it unfold. I'm hosting it along with my friend Open Mike Eagle. He's a rapper. He's been on Wits a few times, and he is just as obsessed as I am. Here's Mike and me talking about this one character, Lemon Grab, on one of the first Conversation Parade episodes. Love Lemon Grab. Love Lemon Grab so much. So this is a, a guy who was created by Princess Bubblegum, and he is sort of founded on... Uh, those terrible lemon candies. <laughs> lemon heads. Lemon heads. And, uh, and he is resultantly bitter. And, uh, and she refers to, to lemon grab as her only failed experiment. Right. Um, because, because he, here's what I love about lemon grab. He's prone to screaming. He's, uh, prone to declaring things as, as unacceptable. <laughs> and in, in his, in his manner. I often find Lemon Grab to be the most sympathetic character on the show. I agree. Because he does not know how the world works and he can't figure it out. Right. And doesn't know how to behave. Often exits a room by falling out the window. <laughs> uh, will, uh, when told to to pet and love a candy person, uh, ends up hitting them hard on the head and threatening <laughs> to put them in his oven. <laughs> 
and just can't get a grip on the world. Can't and get down with the candy styles, man. Can't get down with candy styles. Uh, can't find anybody to move into his kingdom because yeah. he is such a repellent person. Until finally, three young hoods, the notorious pup gang, right. uh, agree to move in with him. You know, my favorite thing that Lemon Grab ever did uh, was when he got caught spying on the other candy mm-hmm. citizens in their yeah, sleep. in the dark. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess he initially felt that he shouldn't do the things that he felt like he wanted to do. Yes. But then when challenged, he, he told Princess Bubblegum, you made me this way. Yes. So why should I be any other way than how I am <laughs> if you made me this way? And I thought that was so awesome. Like, and, and I guess it's not okay to do a lot of the things that he does, but it could you imagine if you knew who created you and you knew that they gave you this broken programming code and then they expected you to get it? <laughs> you know? I'm sure you'd feel the same way, you know? Yeah, he says uh, that was in the You Made Me episode where uh, in in an Adventure Time, glob is sort of the word that they generally use for God. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, I am alone and you made me like this. You made me. You're my glob. (laughs) So he gets to to confront uh, the person who made him. He gets to confront God. Right. And— and blame God for making and, him and, an impossible person. And God, you know, can stand there and admit <clears throat> that she messed up. Yeah. You know, so it that, does put everyone in this unique situation. Like, yeah, he, if left to his own devices, he'll do awful things. And he did. But <laughs> it's not necessarily his fault because what's inside of him is not normal. <laughs> well, <laughs> so know? then you wonder what to what do you credit or blame his inability to interact with the world? Is it the his faulty construction by his god his glob or is it that his glob has admitted that this creature mm. is a mistake if you knew that god was saying that you were a mistake right. could you how could you make any sense of anything in the world wow. <laughs> at one point fairly early on in the lemon grab arc uh princess bubblegum presents him with another lemon grab a a roommate a clone hello am i in the right room huh? what Who's this rigmarole? I'm Lemon Grab. Oh. I made him for you in your pantry for you to be with. Because, I mean, that's a good idea, right? If the thing that seems to be wrong with this entity is that it can't relate to any other entity. That no one else can bear it. Right. Then you would make another one because then they could have each other. Yes. And initially things go pretty well and they they wave goodbye to Princess Bubblegum and say a lemon gives by taking and cares by yelling. <laughs> <laughs> which which seems to make sense to the two of them. But, uh, but ultimately, I mean... I, I couldn't bear to live with another me, could mm. you? It's the kind of thing, it's like that Seinfeld episode where he's, you know, he's dated he all these the different other kinds Jerry. of women. And he, yeah, and oh, he, he meets the girl Jerry. Right. Yes. And, and, he, and on paper, you think it's perfect. But then actually, you know, when you're actually having a relationship and you realize the annoying things about you. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Then, well, what, and then what if you, what if you knew that that person had all the same anxieties and secrets right. that you do. Oh, my gosh. How could you even talk to them? <laughs> How could you believe anything they said <laughs> if they did talk to you? <laughs> it just won't do. And the two of them together, the only time that you really see them demonstrate any kind of love, any kind of uh, gentle caring, is for Lemon Sweets, 
which is the tiny doll version of themselves that they have uh, that they have constructed. So the only time that you really see love coming out of the lemon grabs is for an inanimate object, a totem, <laughs> a totem of uh, of what they've created, and they're and it forms the root of of uh, the conflict between them, how to raise their child right. that they have constructed. And it's, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of a parenting moment where, you know, like I know with, with my wife, we've disagreed on how to discipline a child right. or right. what example or what activities to expose them to. The The two lemon grabs, when, when unable to decide if uh, their little doll should go to bed or dance, um, one ends up just eating the other. One. <laughs> I was about to say, I hope that when you and your wife disagree, it doesn't, <laughs> I, it doesn't end the same way. I don't scream. Only <laughs> and then I, I consume her. But, uh, but yeah, and to me, like, he is the most repellent right. character and the most sympathetic. That's me and Open Mike Eagle from our new project, Conversation Parade. On this show, we're going to talk to a lot of the people who make the Cartoon Network hit series Adventure Time, the writers and artists and the voice actors who bring the show to life. One of the first people we wanted to make sure to talk to is John DiMaggio. John is one of the top voice actors in the business. He's Bender, the drunk robot on Futurama. He's the Joker on lots of animated Batman episodes. On Adventure Time, John plays Jake the dog. And that's a tricky role because Jake is and can be so many things. To begin with, he's a shapeshifter. He can expand, stretch, shrink, mold his body to any size or shape as the situation warrants. And he's metaphorically kind of amorphous, too. He's sort of a kid. He lives with his brother in a treehouse and spends his time eating food and going on wild adventures. But he's also an adult probably in his 30s in what he calls magical dog years. He has a long-term girlfriend. She's a rainbow unicorn. And he's even the father to magical dog rainicorn puppies that he barely ever sees. Sometimes Jake can be a font of wisdom. Other times, he just wants to make and eat food. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's going to make. Bacon pancake. John DiMaggio, who plays Jake, told me how he goes about creating a voice for a character who needs to be all those things. The voice for Jake the dog is, the way I describe it is, is it's my natural voice, but with, but with a little bit of a hug on it. I mean, he's right there. He's always there. Dude, come on, man. Oh, really, man? Oh, okay. Let's go see LSP. You know, it's just, you know, it's, it's you just, just put me. a hug in the voice. You just put a hug in it. How did you get involved in the show in the first place? I auditioned for the pilot, just like any other any other gig, man. And and it just, it was originally at Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and they're kicking themselves right now. Yeah, bad. But that's okay. Um, but it was, I was the only actor who was actually in the pilot that's still on the show. Wow. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Which is a, like a little badge of honor I kind of wear. I, I've, I've seen <laughs> I've seen some interviews where you've talked about how there was a lot that you didn't really get about the show or about I, the I, world. There's a lot that I still don't get. <laughs> well, there's wh- a lot that I still don't get, <laughs> and I, I'll tell you why. It's it's difficult because the scripts come numbered. 
Uh-huh. They come numbered, and then we get a, uh, a, a, a um, storyboard, which is basically like 200 pages of of, of like they kill a tree every time they yeah. they, they, they you know they send a script over. But it's hard to for for me to understand what's going on a lot of the time, and it's such a weird anything goes world anyway. Right. That anything can fly. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, there's, it's a world within which no almost doesn't exist. Mm. You know, like anything can happen in the land of ooh, which is something I think is a, it's a really wonderful place to, to be in because it's, it's limitless. It's boundless. In some ways, though, it's pretty simple. Like you, you know, you're, you and Finn are, are brothers and best friends. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's amazing. Like it's a, it's great because there there is that relationship there, and there's there you know, and I and believe me, I understand what's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not like I'm completely in the dark about where I'm at, but it's 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 just that it's it's just so wild. The world, the land of Ooh, is just so it, it 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 was overwhelming to me, you know, as as an actor, and it was just like I don't, I'm not sure if I'm I'm in the right place, and so, but now I'm in the right place, so it's it's all good, yeah, and yeah. I get it, you know. The Land of Ooh and Adventure Time is the creation of Pendleton or Penn Ward. Penn recently stepped down from running the whole show so he could dedicate his time to writing for it. Penn also gives voice to the character Lumpy Space Princess, or LSP. She's one of John DiMaggio's favorite characters. The actors often voice the scripts in a room together. I asked John what that's like. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Jeremy. Uh-huh. Who plays Finn? I'm looking at Tom Kenny, who plays the Ice King. I'm looking at Olivia, who plays uh, uh, Marceline. Marceline, of course. Um, and we're in there, and we're just doing it. And sometimes uh, Penn will come in and do, you know, LSP and and ah, my best best pizza, which is like the best thing ever. Uh, he wrote himself a really amazing part, <laughs> which is like kudos to him, man. I mean. It's so funny. He's just such a, I mean, he's really an amazing guy. And the fact that he stepped down as showrunner just so he could work on the show, so we would yeah. have the pressure. So he could like create. Like, that shows, it was really, like, that was really deep on his part. That yeah. showed, like, a lot of character. Like, no, I don't want to do this. I want to do this part of it. And right. I'm okay with that. Like, that's heavy duty. He's a really deep character. He's he's got many many layers. But we're just sitting in the room. We're yeah. just sitting in the room watching each other, and we, we record it. We record it scene by scene, and you know each line is recorded, and it's funny because like you have to give it a a moment in between each line. You can't overlap, mm-hmm. and that's the funny thing about like actors that are familiar with doing voiceover work for cartoons is that you have to pause. You have to you have to sit on your impulse to react. And and so like there's that minute I mean that there's that second where you have to wait and then you deliver the line mm. because you know the, the 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 engineer has to has to separate the voices I mean and you're in the room together so so that's that's interesting and and you know we 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 laugh and we have fun and we screw up and you know it's it's a blast it's it's a it's a lot of fun and it's been an incredibly rewarding experience I've been very lucky to have been on the 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 cartoons that I've been on. You, um, <laughs> the other thing that I've seen you bring up in a lot of interviews, in fact, every interview we were able to find about you, John, you bring up your love of Lumpy Space Princess. What is I, it about Lumpy Space Princess? I think it's just, 
how just uh, just absolutely out there that character is. Yeah. Um, and the, and the, and the vocal quality matches the character design. It's perfect. It's just like it's it's purely pen. Uh-huh. I think that's what makes it so amazing. Is that I mean, it just does this thing. It's just it's ridiculous. And as a matter of fact, I do the banana guard, banana guard number oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's basically a tr- my my tribute to 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 pen because it's just me doing a lumpy space princess imitation, but a little more masculine. <laughs> so. So he's kind of just, you know, okay, I'm the banana guard, and that's, uh, um, okay. You know, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's really funny. And that's a hard voice to do, by the way. Like, I found out the hard way having to do that voice for a video game for the show. Uh-huh. And I had to do that voice for, like, an hour and a half, close to two hours. And that voice, you're kind of swallowing it in the back of your throat the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's... So... so. So, like a half hour, forty five minutes after doing that voice, it was. I you was, need some herbal tea right about. It then. was really bad. It was. I felt awful. Like that. I. I was. I almost couldn't get through the session. But that's the. That's the thing that you have to be careful of. You think these one off characters are just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to do that, like you know, five times and be. It, it's okay. And, and Banana Guard has like shown oh. up more often than than. <laughs> It's crazy. I've tried to describe Lumpy's Space Princess to somebody who hadn't seen the show, and I, I failed miserably. How would you describe LSP? Purple. Um, <laughs> purple. Hovering. Lumpy. Yeah. Hovering. Um, totally, um, totally spoiled. Uh-huh. Um, in, just incredibly spoiled to the, to the nth degree. Um, but also lives and, as a hobo in the woods for yes, great stretches of time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like a cool hippie. And, and just this, you know, it's kind of like, I think it's how, I think it's how Penn sees himself in that world, in the land of Ooh. Mm. I think that's, I think that maybe that's it. I think I just hit something on the, I think I just yeah. struck the, you just made the a breakthrough. goes yeah. way back, <laughs> deep to left field, it's gone. I think that was a home run I just hit. Yeah. Wow. Nice, nice um, batting, DiMaggio. There you go. There you go. Hey, thanks a lot. <laughs> that's John DiMaggio, the voice of Jake the dog on the hit animated series Adventure Time. He spoke with me as part of our new project, Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast that I host along with rapper and wits friend Open Mike Eagle. If you like wits, trust me, you will enjoy Conversation Parade. The first episode is available now on your favorite podcast app or at infiniteguest.org. Thanks to our friends on Wits this week, George Takei and Serengeti with Andrew Broder and Mike Lewis. Thanks also to our intern, Autumn Bergraff, Ali Lozoff, Julia Schrenkler, and the staff at the Guthrie Theater, Trish Santini, Mitch Baird, and Paul Espy. Wits is written by me and Ben Acker, Jeff Drake, Stu Newman, and Mike Fotis. Our technical director is Corey Schreppel. Our executive producer is Peter Clowney. Our senior producers are Hans Buto and Larissa Anderson. We also want to thank Steve Nelson, Colin Campbell, and Cartoon Network for their support of Conversation Parade and Adventure Time Podcast. I'm John Moe. Bye now.